Father, we thank you uh, just for the opportunities um, that have occurred in the last week or so. Thank you for Patricia's opportunity to encourage uh, a new brother in the Lord and pray that that would uh, continue to be um, happen and uh, pray that you would um, grow this this man's faith. Um, pray that he would be um, integrated into a sound body of believers and uh, yeah, just pray that you give Patricia wisdom in talking to him. Uh, Lord, thank you for Lael and just being able to use her name to um, to talk about um, you and uh, and uh, talk about what it means to belong to you, oh Lord God. So we thank you for that, and thank you for those uh, just nifty ways that you give us segues um, into the gospel, oh Lord God. So we thank you. Um, I pray for, and uh, thank you for the same for Bruce, oh Lord God, and uh, thank you for uh, who you are and uh, to be able to speak of you to fellow believers. Lord, we pray for the opportunities to proclaim your name to unbelievers, to those who do not know you. Um, Lord, we are thankful to encourage one another in the gospel, and we need to do that. And we also pray just for the grace to uh, speak of you boldly to those who do not know, that they might come to know you and worship you. Uh, Lord, we ask for our time this morning as we uh, just consider more of who you are. We seek to know you. Uh, we pray that you would open our eyes and have mercy on us in that regard. So we just pray you bless this morning in your name. Amen. All right, so... We are talking about knowing God, and uh, we have kind of gone through um, just preliminaries of what does it mean to know God, uh, and all those different aspects of knowing God. Uh, we're seeking to know God notionally, but um, at, we, we know Him first relationally through the gospel, um, and that continues, but we also want to know Him notionally, know more about Him, so that our affections can be changed, that affectional knowledge, and so that we can act appropriate to that knowledge, that actional knowledge. Uh, we talked about um, how do we speak about God um, as we're speaking about God. What's even the right way? What's even the right verbiage? How do we do that? And we said that it's never wrong to talk about God um, in the way that Scripture talks about him as long as you're understanding the text in their context. Um, and then we went, spent some time just talking about, well, what do we call God? How do we address him? Uh, and going through some of God's names and titles. Uh, and so now we're finished with that. And what we want to now do is transition into... Um, talking uh, what would traditionally be called the attributes of God. Um, and uh, we're going to approach it slightly differently than uh, the maybe the traditional way of, say, uh, let's talk about his communicable attributes and his incommunicable attributes. That's a valid and helpful way to do that. Uh, but one of the things we said uh, when we talk about, well, how do we talk about God? We want to take our cue uh, from the scriptures and how the scriptures talk about God. Well, in the way we do that, we can even, to an extent, um, just follow the order of how scripture begins to talk about God. And so that's kind of how we're going to map our course a little bit. Um, not exclusively, but, but at least for today and uh, maybe the next couple weeks. Uh, do you remember that we have equipping hour next week, and then we're going to take a break for the rest of April, so just keep that in mind. But what we want to do this morning is we want to talk about God as creator. God as creator, because in the canonical ordering of Scripture, meaning we start with Genesis, um, we, that's the first way we encounter God. That is the first way we encounter God, is God as creator. And we just want to meditate on that uh, for a while this morning, okay? So, um, as we talk about God as creator, go to Genesis 1. Go to Genesis 1. Thank <laughs> you. 
Uh, okay, um, someone read 1 1 through 2. Okay, so uh, in the beginning, God created, um, and what does it mean he created? When it says he created the heavens and the earth, what are we supposed to take away from that? Good, yeah. All that is, all that is and all that is not God, right? So God's always existed. Um, he's always been. Um, he is self-existent and eternal, continually existing from as far back as um, um, eternity past to eternity future, right? So we know that. So God creates, it's not just that he creates uh, like land and the sky. Uh, when we talk about heavens and the earth, it's kind of like bookends, right? It's a, way of, uh, it's, a, it's a way of describing everything, right? So everything that is not God is being created. Uh, now, just to kind of give you um, we might spend more time on this next week, I'm not sure yet, but to give you a picture, um, so God creates everything, like, um, so, and then verse 2, the earth was uh, without form or void. The idea of these two words, it's to connote that there's stuff that's there after God has spoken it into existence, but it's, um, it's, uh, it's like a wasteland, basically. It's unformed. Uh, there's, it's just a wasteland. And in fact, as we find out, uh, what, what, what is covering all of, uh, what is covering all of the earth? What's that? Darkness and water, right? So it's like this wasteland of water. So you can think of an entire, like, water world, like the entire surface of the earth covered with water. It's, there's no form to it. Um, there's, uh, land or rock and things beneath the surface, but there's no form to it. It's essentially a wasteland. Um, and that kind of sets the stage for what God does next. So um, even as we walk through the days, um, let, let's read through a couple of them. So let's start um, uh, uh, starting verse 3. Uh, someone read 3 through 5. Okay, so the first day probably encompasses everything from verse 1, um, it seems like that, unless you want a day 0, um, a day 0 in verses 1 and 2, and then like day 1. But it seems like day 1 is ending that first segment there, okay? But what is God doing on the first day? Yeah. Oh, do you really want to get into this debate right now? Uh, um, I would argue, and I don't really want to spend time on this today, but I do want to spend time on it another day. I will just say that I think God is temporal in the sense that he is always, that time is part of who he is, like an attribute, because God always exists. So if you have life, you have time. That's a basic way of describing it. I'm in no way saying that time exists apart from God. Time is part of who God is would be my argument. 
Um, so at the very least, God is, he is creating our physical universe. And um, as we find out later, he creates clock time in the sense that he gives us a clock. He gives us the solar system and things like that as an essential clock. Uh, but you can have time without a clock. So uh, that's, so I don't want to get deep into the weeds of that discussion today, but I want to talk about it later. But at the very least, God is creating our physical universe. He's creating space. He's creating the galaxies, the stars, like all of this stuff. Now, at this point, it just kind of seems like when he talks about the heavens and the earth, and then he starts to develop this, and then he talks about adding stars and stuff later, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to say, like, does that mean that there's just the, the void of space, and then, um, you know, our world and other worlds, and then he puts in the lights later, or when he puts in stars, well, some of the things we see as stars are really planets, you know, so some of this is, mm, uh, you know, unclear of, like, when exactly stuff comes, if that makes sense. It comes, and it comes by what? what? How does all this stuff come into existence? He spoke it, right? God's word. God is inherently communicative, um, uh, and uh, he, by his word, by the action of his word, he creates, um, which is astounding, right? So there's nothing, um, there's God, and he speaks, and stuff, physical stuff, matter, energy, uh, all of these things come together. Now, we focus, because we are Westerners, we focus on science, right? And we think in terms of, like, the science of all of this, which is true. Those are the laws that, you know, and whatever that God has put into things. However, what is the focus as we march through the days? We see God speaking things into existence, but what is he doing? Let's like, what is he doing on day one? And particularly verses three through five. Separating. Yeah, he's separating stuff. Um, why? What does that communicate? Like God's separating stuff out. What's that? Purpose or order, right? God is ordering things. God is a God of order. And you see that even in the creation. He's separating stuff out. He's creating boundaries. Um, so let's just do day two. Um, go ahead, verse six. Uh, six through eight. Okay, and the idea of this expanse is this word that um, is like uh, the, the picture or the basic sense of this word is like a, a craftsman beating out uh, like a, a bowl. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the idea of the firmament. Uh, maybe some of your translations have the firmament, but like he's, he's beating out this bowl um, and he's using it to do what? To separate, right? So he's ordering things. He's separating things. He's putting things into their proper place as he puts his stuff together. Yes, Bruce? Vaulted dome, yeah. So it's, they're trying to communicate in English, like, uh, how do we articulate that, um, you know, this word? Um, and a vaulted dome, yeah, that's fine. It's a little less poetic, right? Vaulted dome in English, right? But they're just trying to communicate this idea. It's like, describing things the way you see them, right? Like you look up and you see 
a dome, right? And it's like God, it's describing it in poetic language, it's like he hammered out the dome to separate what's above the dome and below the dome. The waters above the dome and the waters below the dome um, is kind of the idea. But again, as we think about God, what are we trying to focus on? We're trying to focus on not the creation itself at this point. We're trying to focus on God as the creator and what he is doing in the creation, right? Um, so he is the creator. He speaks it into existence, um, but he's also putting order into this stuff, right? It starts um, unformed and like a wasteland, and then God begins to form it into an ordered, uh, unchaotic space. Um, and so a lot, even as you march through the days, uh, is it seven days? Yes, it is absolutely seven days. How do I know that? Go to Exodus. I mean, apart from the fact that it says it, I mean, it says it, right? Uh, apart from that fact, you know, some people say, well, you know, a day represents a million years, a day is like a thousand years to God, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, okay, if we, you know, we could argue about that in Genesis 1, but I also have Exodus 20. Um, go to Exodus 20. Exodus 20, and read verses 8 through 11, right in the middle of the Ten Commandments. So that's pretty clear that, like, everything, I mean, Moses couldn't get any clearer than that. Everything is created in six days and then the day of rest on the seventh, right? And Moses is very much thinking of those as days, normal days, right? Because you labor six days and then you rest on the seventh. So, um, yeah, everything gets created in seven days. Uh, so we know these are days. We know that from 1-1 to 2-4, um, in Genesis, all of that is taking place within a week um, and because of other supporting, not just because of this, this 1, 1 through 2, 4, but also because of other passages like Exodus 20, 8 through 11, okay? Yes? Yes. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's being connected with all of this, too. Heaven is kind of an interesting word in both the Old Testament and New Testament because it, get, it gets used for multiple things. It gets used for the sky, and then it gets used for where the stars are, and then it gets used for where God lives. Now, all of those have a vertical kind of connotation to them, and the understanding is God lives, I mean, the basic sense is God lives up there, right? Not that he um, necessarily, um, but that he's exalted, that he's high, right? So you just got to understand that when we're talking about the heavens, um, but at least the heavens here, these are created, right? Because God is creating these things. So um, where was God before creation? Well, he, uh, he was nowhere. <laughs> there was no space, right? Um, he's just with himself, 
Uh, and you're like, what? What does that even mean? Well, I don't know exactly. I don't know what that looks like because I'm not God, right? Um, but we know that God has always existed, right? And at least here, the heavens that are being described are the created heavens, if that makes sense. Now, there is an abode that, uh, where God is, and he puts his throne, and where like the angels dwell, who are also created beings. So that gets discussed later as well. And so that's probably at least put um, in, in this um, word for heavens as well. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yep. Absolutely. That's good. Okay. So we could keep marching through the days, but again, the focus is not so much on the creation itself. We're thinking about God as creator. So he is speaking these things into existence and he is ordering them. He is uh, putting them into their proper place and sphere. Um, okay, let's go to another passage to think about God as creator. Go to Psalm 33. Go to Psalm 33. And someone read verses 6 through 9. Yeah, so we're talking about creation, and Psalm 33 does highlight a lot of creation themes. Uh, What is being emphasized here in God as creator? Mm -hmm. Again, just to meditate on that idea that God can just speak, uh, uses the language here of breath, which is the same word as spirit, um, spirit. but that idea of God communicating, God commanding, and by the mere act of speech. Now, we can do certain things as humans that affect a reality with our speech. I now pronounce you husband and wife. That creates, or affects, maybe not creates, but affects a reality, right? But not like this. Not like this, because uh, there is nothing, and then there is stuff by speech, which is just amazing to think and meditate on that, which automatically means that the things that are seen are less stable, uh, less real in a sense than, than God is, than the things that are invisible, which is what Paul says, um, you know, in Second Corinthians, right? That the, the physical, tangible reality, the created reality is real, but it has, um, it's not as real as God's word. Uh, it's not as uh, substantial. It's not as powerful um, in that sense. Um, again, uh, w- these are things we know, but to then sit and think and meditate on them as how Scripture speaks of them, uh, we then begin to change notional knowledge into affectional knowledge. That's just amazing. To think of God speaking and it's there. Um, absolutely astounding. Okay? Uh, any questions so far? Comments? Okay, let's do another look at another passage. Um, again, just all of this is talking about God's initial creation, the seven days. Go to Hebrews eleven three, New Testament. 
Some people argue, well, you know, maybe, maybe, um, maybe God's creation wasn't ex nihilo, out of nothing. Maybe, maybe there was eternal matter uh, alongside of God. And in fact, Christians in early centuries said, well, God has eternally created. So matter is as eternal as he is. Um, but if we look at Hebrews 11, uh, Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith, um, we actually get some insight into this in Hebrews 11, 3. So someone read Hebrews 11, 3. Yep. So what does that say? Yeah, it wasn't always there, right? Uh, stuff was made uh, out of things that aren't visible. Um, it, they, uh, they don't exist is the idea, and then God calls them into existence. Uh, that phrase there, universe, is ESV. Um, yours might say something like ages or worlds. It's the word ages. God created the ages um, by, um, by the, his word. So that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. Everything that's in our physical universe uh, came out of nothing uh, except God's word, right? There's no pre-existent matter, no pre-existent energy in that sense. It's just God's being and God's speaking and creating things. Yes, Bruce? Yeah, sort of as a, as, a, it, as a basic illustration of what's being said, yes. But, I mean, we're talking nothing, nothing. Like, because in that case, you've got matter that is, uh, you know, the seed is being fertilized. It's, you've got water and light and photosynthesis happening. But we're talking like Zippo. No energy, no matter, no atoms, no quarks, nothing, no electrons, <laughs> nothing except God's being. God is immaterial. Um, he just is, and he, he is, um, and all that we're saying is, like, his voice creates. And you can't even think about, like, well, God has no matter. He has no, um, you know, no, no physical laws apply to him in that sense. Um, like, we're talking absolutely Zippo, and God's, except God's existence, God's being, and then he speaks um, and creates stuff. Yeah, Susan. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, and the thing that created all of that down to the minutest particle that we could possibly ever perceive um, or energy that we could possibly ever measure um, is it's God's voice, God's speech, um, God's command that creates and it creates all of it, has created all of that in an initial way. 
Okay. And it really, you, whoever you are and whatever you believe, you have the problem of, like, if, if you have the problem of each, you always, <laughs> one of my professors in, in uh, uh, college said, uh, infinity has been a problem forever, which I thought was kind of a funny way of saying it. Um, but it's true because everyone has the problem of if infinite regress, right? So if you're an atheist and you want to say, well, matter is eternal, or maybe it came from a big bang, you have to answer the question, or at least, and some of them would say, oh, we're not going to answer that question, but like, how, okay, but what came before that, and what came before that? And so you either have an infinite regress, or you have someone who has existed for all eternity who can produce these things. Um, so, okay, uh, one others, uh, at least, so all of this we're talking about initial creation, initial creation, the seven days. Uh, go to Job 38. So also in Job, we get, um, in the latter chapters, we get God showing up. We talked about this before, um, but then he is, a lot of what he says to Job is tied in with creation themes. Um, so let's look at Job 38. So he begins to talk to Job. Um, and immediately after he says, you know, dress for action like a man, I'll question you and you make it known to me. Someone read Job 38, 4 through 11. Through verse 11, please. This is amazing because what's happening, God is reflecting on what he was doing in creation, right? So it's not just Moses accurately and ultimately from God recounting the seven days, but here you've got God poetically um, thinking about and reflecting on what he did in creation. What are some of the things that stand out to you? Yeah, bars, doors, and boundaries. Again, that idea of separation, order, structure. Um, in the created order. Anything else? Yeah. There's measurements. There's definite measurement to things. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. Yeah. 
And restraint, yeah, restraint uh, and boundaries in that sense as well. Absolutely. Again, just uh, opportunities in all of these things to meditate on, okay, we say God is creator, but what does that mean? And how does scripture itself and how does God himself reflect on the beauty and the majesty of it? It's not just uh, raw scientific facts that God created. It is that, but it is also beauty. It is also majesty. Um, it is also an incredible power in God speaking these things into existence. Okay? Now, all of that's about the initial creation, the seven days, right? All this stuff comes into existence. However, Scripture doesn't stop there. Because it then talks about, and we can actually start in Job 38, talking about how God uses his creative power not only in an initial sense, but also in an ongoing, sustaining way. So let's read. We're in Job 38 already. Go, someone read now 12 through 15. Uh, you're good. Yeah, that's good. Um, and, you know, there's more to this than just these few verses. Like, God goes on and on. But what is different here um, versus what we were just reading about in the uh, 4 through 11? Yeah. Yeah. But what does God have to, for the dawn to come up, right, for the dawn to know its place, what does God do? He commands it, right? And the dawn happens every day, right? So the point here is not just that God, you know, created the mechanics of, you know, the sun and the, um, and the earth, you know, revolving and all that. It, it, it's that God actively commands these things to happen. So even though God's providence, right, he's set everything into motion, uh, but we understand that behind that providence is God commanding it to be so. In a similar sort of way, God commands, and stuff comes into existence. Well, here the idea is God commands in an active, ongoing way for stuff to happen. Yeah, Eden. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. In him, Colossians 1, and that's referring to the Son, to, to Christ, the person of the Christ, right? Um, that he is holding everything together. So you get down to, uh, and that's where, um, uh, go to Hebrews 1, go to Hebrews 1, we see something similar. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. So Colossians 1 is a great passage for that, and also uh, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Uh, someone go ahead and read 1, 1 through 3. Thank you. 
So here we're talking about the Son, and the main point uh, of what the author of Hebrews is saying is uh, the, that the Son shares the same nature as the Father. He's the imprint of his being. But in the midst of that, uh, we see that the Son, as God, upholds the universe by the word of his power. So stuff holds together uh, because of God's word. So it's not just that God's word created everything from the, at the beginning. He did. But it's also that God's command is what's holding everything uh, together moment by moment. Uh, so if you go down to the, you know, the, the, the subatomic level and you've got like the strong nuclear force that's holding that atom together, all the, the neutrons and the protons and all of that, like, we can describe the physical reality of what's going on, but we understand that it's uh, God the Son saying, yeah, hold together. <laughs> um, and, and it does, moment by moment, uh, which is just absolutely astounding. Um, uh, you see another place for this. Uh, so we're talking about sustaining creation. God is creator. He creates it initially on the seven days, but he holds it together. Um, see another place in Psalm 104. Psalm 104. Uh, Psalm 104, again, another psalm that has many creation themes to it. Uh, I'm just going to pull out one chunk of it. Uh, so Psalm 104, verses 27 through 30. Someone go ahead and read that. Okay, the these in this passage are like animals, okay? Just to give you a little context there. But what do you see um, about how the psalmist is reflecting on God's involvement with his creation? How is it described? What's that? Yeah, in terms of like even things like food, uh, food for animals, like all across the globe, right? God is, it says he opens his hand. And he feeds them. And if he closes it, they're dismayed, uh, right? Because God's not feeding them, right? So even whether animals have food or not ultimately comes back to God as creator. What else do you see? Yeah, he gives and he takes. And Rachel just said um, that he, uh, how did you say that, Rachel? Yeah, their breath, right? The very aspect of living, breathing, respirating. Uh, ultimately comes back down to God allowing it um, to be so or withholding uh, and causing things to die, right? This is ultimately what it means for God to be creator. It's not just the initial creation. It's at moment by moment, everything, including us, right? Including us. Um, yes, uh, Ned. Absolutely, yeah. And that's not just in a... You know, like, uh, it became popular, well, it's probably always been popular as a belief, but I'm just thinking in terms of uh, uh, 18th century English deism, right? Uh, deism is that 
you know, God wound up the clock of the universe and he let it go, hands off. But that's, now God put order and forces and, you know, physical laws into place, but that doesn't mean that God is absent. In fact, he's very much present and intimately involved at every level of his creation. Um, so he's both transcendent, but he's also imminent at the same time and in, engaged in tangibly commanding all of these things to happen. So, um, and I, like I said, that includes us. That includes us. Um, so we can talk about the initial creation of man. How did God initially create man? Uh, okay, yes, true, but how? Like, what did that look like for God to create man? Out of dust, right? Dirt. So God takes some dirt, and he fashions it. He forms it. He, like, molds it is kind of the idea into uh, a man, and then he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, and man becomes a living being, Genesis 2, right? Uh, how did he create woman? What's that? Yeah, from what? Rib, right, so the rib. So he doesn't create the woman out of, we talked about this last week in the sermon, right? He doesn't create woman uh, out of the dirt. He creates um, her out of the side of man from a rib. So he takes a rib, God's a surgeon, yanks that out, um, and um, fashions, molds uh, her into a woman. Very intimate um, in his initial creation of man and woman, uh, but uh, not just in the initial man and woman is he intimately involved. Go, go to Psalm 139. So that's initial creation of mankind, man and woman. Uh, someone reads Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. Okay, so what does this speak to as far as God's creation uh, with man? Yeah, and not just Adam and Eve, but who? Individually, every individual human being that has ever existed, from what point? Before we were, right? Because he's written in his book all the days that were formed for us when as yet there were none of them. So his creation involving us includes all of our days. They're written already before we even come to exist. But we also see in this passage God is intimately involved from the point of conception on in knitting, molding, pulling, pulling a human being together. And it's described in language like creation, right? God is doing this. He's actively involved, that human being has dignity from the point of conception, right? Because God is involved in it. Um, so, 
yeah, it's not just that God creates man in this kind of general sense. God creates every individual. He fashions every individual, uh, writes all of their days, which is just absolutely, God is transcendent, but he's also in them, in, imminent, intimately involved in all of this. Uh, questions or comments? Say, what does this do for you? Remember, we don't want this to just be notional knowledge. As we think about God as creator in all of the aspects that we've talked about, what does it do for you? Mm, causes you to repent because of the complaining we do, you know, as people. Right, right. And you, you know, that it doesn't negate our responsibility, right, to say that God wrote all of our days when or none of them, but it says, well, um, God has a purpose for my life. I want to live faithfully in all of that. I don't know what my days look like. He does, but I want to live in all of those days, um, you know, ultimately for him. Yeah. But in the good and the bad days. So, Patricia, you... Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you, when you start boiling it down, what does this mean for God to be creator? Like, you see the awesome power that's involved, and you're, like you said, it's fear in a good way. This is the fear of the Lord, right? The, it, it is fearful, but it's a positive fear um, if we know him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're called, oh, sorry, keep, keep going. Right, he's written all of our days. He's decreed what's going to happen. We don't know all of what that looks like, but as we go through it, it's like, wow, that's totally unexpected. And, um, but we know it comes, as we know, as we know God relationally, because he's foreknown, foreknown us, right? Uh, we know him through Christ. We know that whatever comes our way uh, doesn't mean it's easy, doesn't mean it's um, happy all the time but we know it comes from the hand of a good father and that he will give us the resources in Christ to walk through that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, and just to end our time, uh, here's one more passage that really encapsulates um, what do we do with this? What do we do with the understanding that God is creator? Well, what does heaven do with it? Revelation 4.11 Here's uh, the 24 elders, they're throwing their crowns before the throne of God, and Revelation 4.11 says this, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. It results in worship, right? 
because God is creator, because thing, everything exists by his will, it results in worship, glory, honor. So uh, let's pray. God, we worship you as creator. Lord, that you have not only by the word of your command, brought matter and energy and all of this physical universe into existence. But uh, you sustain it. You hold it together as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You hold it together. And Lord, not only you hold it together, you hold us together. You knitted us in our mother's wombs, and you own us. Um, And you have written all of our days when as yet there were none of them. And everything and everyone will ultimately, every life will eventually bring you honor and glory. And Lord, we praise you for that. Lord, it is a fearful thing. It is a great thing because you are a great and awesome and fearful God. Lord, help us. Lord, may these truths shape our lives and how we walk each and every day. But even just how we come together in the gathering here shortly with our brothers and sisters to praise you, to listen to your word, to pray to you. Lord, pray that you would prepare our hearts with the knowledge that you are our creator. We give you great praise and thanks. In Christ's name, amen.